السلام علیکم و رحمۃ اللہ وبرکاتہ نحمد الکریم اما بعد فعود بلّہ من الشیطان الرجیم بسم اللہ الرحمن الرحیم وبش رحلی صدری ویسری امری وحل العقدم السانی یفقہ قولی رب نازدنا علما باب الطيب للمرأة عند غسلها من المحيض الطيب using perfume للمرأة for a woman meaning a woman putting fragrance on herself when عند غسلها at the time of her غسل at the time of taking the bath من المحيض which bath after menstruation meaning that when a woman takes a bath after her حيض then what should she do she should also perfume herself Why? Because hayd we know has a foul odor, foul smell. And in particular some women, for them it is even more foul smelling. So even after washing with water, the smell may be present. So yes, removing the blood is necessary, cleaning the area is necessary, but perfuming it, putting fragrance on it is in a way of you know, getting cleaner. And this is the reason why it is recommended. Remember it is not wajib, it is not mandatory, but it is recommended. So this means that a woman should perfume herself in her private area on taking this bath off after the hayl. And remember, this is part of the cleaning. Not after taking the bath, but before or during. Meaning one should perfume themselves in that area. And this doesn't mean that a perfume has to be used, but even you know a soap or something should be used. حدثنا عبد الله بن عبد الوهاب قال حدثنا حماد بن زيد عن ايوب عن حفصه قال ابو عبد الله او هشام بن حسان عن حفصه عن ام عطيه so ام عطيه she narrated قالت she said كنا ننها we were forbidden ان نحد that we mourn على ميت on a dead person on a deceased person فوق ثلاث for more than three days illa except meaning the only person who was allowed to mourn for more than 3 days was who ala zawjin on the wife arba'ata ashrin wa ashra 4 months and 10 days and in this ihdad in the spirit of mourning wala naktahila we would not wear kuhl wala natatayyaba we would not put perfume wala nalbasa and we would not wear sawban a cloth a garment that was masbughan that was colored illa except Sawba asbin, a cloth that was of asb. What is asb? Inshallah we'll discuss later. وَقَدْ رُخِ صَلَنَا And an exemption was made for us. عِنْدَ الطُّهْرِ At the time of obtaining purity. إِذَا اغْتَسَلَتْ When she took a bath, إِحْدَانَا One of us مِمْ مَحِيضِهَا From her menstruation. Meaning, even if a woman was sitting in her idda, then the only time she was allowed to use perfume was after she took a bath, of her hayl meaning after her hayl when she would take a bath she was allowed to use perfume but how fi nubdatin in a piece of in a small piece of min kusti alfar kusti alfar is a certain type of fragrance which is very light so a little bit of a small amount of this perfume was allowed for such a woman to be used wa kunna nunha and we were also forbidden an ittiba' al-janais from following the funerals meaning following the funeral all the way to the graveyard this is something that the women were not allowed to do and are still not allowed to do qala rawahu hisham ibn hassan an hafsata an ummi atiyyata an an-nabi sallallahu alayhi wasallam so in this hadith what do we see that ummi atiyya she said We were forbidden. Nunha. We. Who does we refer to? The men as well as the women. Meaning the Muslims, the men and the women were forbidden 
to mourn the death of a person for more than three days. And they were forbidden by who? By the Prophet ﷺ. So when the Sahaba, if they use the word nunha or nu'mar, we were commanded or we were forbidden, then who commanded them? Who forbade them? The Prophet ﷺ. But when the Prophet ﷺ said, umirtu, I have been commanded, right? Or nuhitu, then who has given him the command? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So we were forbidden from nuhidda, that we, nuhidda, we mourn. Nuhidda is from the word ihdad, from hadal dal, and ihdad is basically to refrain from zina. It is al-imtina' min zina to refrain from adorning oneself. When a woman's husband has passed away, and she is in her idda, and how much is her idda? Four months and ten days. Ihdad is wajib on her. This is mandatory on her. What? That she should refrain from adorning herself. She should stay away from it. And ihdad, some scholars have also described it as to refrain from everything, to refrain from everything that will invite her husband, meaning in normal circumstances when he was alive, anything that would attract her husband, basically. So this includes clothing, this includes makeup, this includes fragrance. So it's not just extra adornment, but anything with which she would dress herself up, make herself look nice, because that would cause her husband to be attracted to her, this is something that she has to refrain from. And there are a number of things that are included in this. In ihdad, remember there are a number of things that are included for the widow. First of all, the wearing of beautiful clothes. The wearing of beautiful clothes. Masbughan has been used that such clothes were forbidden for women to wear in their iddah. What is masbughan? Cloth that has been colored, that has been dyed. Sibra. Okay, masbughan, a cloth that has been colored, that has been dyed. What's the exception? The exception is of asb. What is asb? Asb is a Yemeni cloth, the threads of which were colored before the cloth was made, before the cloth was woven. So you can say that it was the original color of the cloth. It was not dyed. So what kind of clothes can a woman wear in her idda? Clothes that are not dyed, not embroidered on, not printed on, not necessarily, not just off-white and white, but it can be any color as long as the color is original. You know how some clothes, when you wash them, they bleed, right? The color comes off. And other clothes, they don't. For example, if you wash your hijab, the one that you're wearing right now, especially the staff, it's not going to leak. The color is not going to come out. But there are certain materials, all right, the color has been put on, which is why it bleeds usually when you wash it. Or for example, it has been dyed. Or embroidery has been done. Or a lace has been put on. Do you see what I mean? So colors are not fast. But these days with, you know, with extra chemicals and all, you do end up making the color fast. And also remember that when a garment has been dyed, then the color will be more, it will be brighter, there will be more pattern on it. So what kind of clothes should she wear? The simpler, the better. Simple in color, simple in beautification. So they should not have any embroidery or anything on them. No lace on them. It doesn't mean that she has to wear only white. Because she could be wearing white, but it has beads on it. Or has beautiful embroidery on it. That's something that she should refrain from. So this kind of cloth, she was allowed to wear. And also remember that a woman has to see what is considered beautiful in the culture. In certain cultures, white is considered very beautiful, which is why a bride will wear white. But in other cultures, it's considered lifeless. 
So you have to see, a woman has to see that what is considered beautiful in her culture and what is considered normal in her culture. So accordingly, she will dress herself up. Secondly, what is forbidden is huli, jewelry. Whether this jewelry is in her hand or her neck or her ears or her head or her feet, anywhere, jewelry is not permissible. Whether it is of gold or silver or any other metal. Why? Because this is considered beautification. And ihdad is what? To stay away from beautification. And some scholars have even said that she should not wear a watch even. Because a watch is also for what purpose? Adornment. Some women, their watches are you know, made of gold or whatever. Sometimes they have diamonds in them. And they will not wear them around the house when they're doing the dishes or cooking or doing the laundry. When will they wear it? When they're actually dressed up. Correct? So that's when they will wear that watch. So a woman should refrain from wearing such a watch as well. And otherwise also, if she wears a watch that's not made of gold or doesn't have diamonds in it, it is something that will adorn her, which is why around the house she doesn't. But when she's dressed up, then she will wear a watch, even if it's very simple. So this is also something that a woman should refrain from. But if it's you know a watch that she wears all the time, some people do. It's a part of them. They wear it all the time because they use it so often. It's not with the intention of beautification. It's just so that they can check the time on it. And it's waterproof. They use it when doing laundry or when cooking or even when swimming. So they can continue to wear that. But if it's a watch that is... You know, a woman knows when she wears that watch. If it's for beautification or as jewelry, she should refrain from it. The third thing that is forbidden is all kinds of tahsinat, all kinds of beautification. Whether it is on her eyes, on her nose, on her cheeks, on her lips, on her head, she should refrain from it. In the hadith, what has been mentioned? That they would not wear kuhl. They would not wear kuhl. Now kuhl, you know, the Prophet ﷺ even used to wear. It could be a habit of a person to regularly wear it. and But still we see that a woman who is in her idda should not wear it. Remember that hadith in which a woman came to the Prophet ﷺ asking that her daughter had lost her husband and her eye was hurting. So she asked permission that if her daughter, who had become a widow, whose eye was hurting, could wear kuhl in her eyes. The Prophet ﷺ said, no, she should not. Because even if it may be out of regular habit, but still it will beautify her. This is the reason why she has to stay away from it. Likewise, lipstick, henna, whether that henna is on your hands or on your nails or on your hair, it doesn't matter. She should not wear it. Likewise, hair dye, she should not put it on. Similarly, perfume, she should refrain from it because it's a part of tahsinat. It's a part of those things which beautify and adorn a woman. What about fancy glasses? Hmm? Because some people have multiple pairs, right? Some pairs are the nicer ones. You know, some glasses you wear normally, but other glasses are nicer, which are kept for certain occasions or for certain times. So she should refrain from wearing those even. Because this is something that will beautify her. You cannot wear makeup inside the house in Idda. You cannot wear it outside the house. When a woman is not in her Idda, then can she wear these things? Yes, she should. Before her husband, definitely she should. And even in front of other people, as long as they are mahram, as long as they are women, there is no fear of fitna, then she should wear it. But if she's going out where she knows that men will see her, then this is something that she should refrain from. Because this is what? Tabarruj. This is why hijab is there. That you wear your jewelry, you, you wear your makeup, you wear your nice clothes, but then you cover it up. How is it difficult? Never tell yourself it's difficult. Because... 
in our deen we have not been forbidden from zina. Remember, women have not been forbidden from zina. They should wear zina. But the only thing is that when there is a man who's non-mahram, then simply cover it. That's it. Because some people go to the other extreme. Don't wear any zina. Nothing at all. It's considered bad. It's not bad. It's a part of a woman's nature. It's something that a woman needs. And she should do it. But the only thing is, cover up. So, the third thing that's forbidden is tahsinat. The fourth thing that's forbidden during ihdad is that she should refrain from going out of the house. Meaning she should not go out of the house except for a haja of the day or a darura of the night. These two words, remember. A haja of the day, darura of the night. What is haja? A need. A need that she has to fulfill. So for example, she is the only person who works. Or now that her husband has gone, she has little children, she has no one to financially support her, she has to go to work. So she will go, but within the day. So she will return within the day. Not that she goes and then she stays at her friend's house and then she goes and stays at her brother's house. Then now I'm out anyway, so might as well. No, she will go only for the fulfillment of her need and return. Likewise, a woman could be a teacher. She has a commitment. And likewise, there are many students. And if she stays at home in her idda, then the students will be neglected. She has a contract. You know, for example, a woman is a professor or she is working at a school. There is a contract that she's made. She cannot get out of it. So in that case, she will fulfill her commitment. It becomes a hajjah for her to fulfill. Likewise, a woman could be a student. Let's say she's going to university. She's in her semester. It's the end of the semester. She has to take her test. She has to attend those classes. And if she doesn't, that entire year, that entire few months are wasted. So this is a hajjah that she will go to fulfill by the day, but then she will return. Likewise, she has to do groceries. She's the only person. Her children are young. She doesn't have any friends or any relatives who will be able to help her in that. So she has to look after herself and her family within the day. Haja of the day. Secondly, darura of the night. Meaning a desperate need of the night. That during the night she should not go out. But if there is no way but go out, that's the only option she has. I mean, for example, may Allah protect her, but if her house is you know, in flames or something, she has to get out. Alright, this is a darura. She has to go. Like for example, a woman is, let's say she does have friends and relatives, family and friends, but everybody is busy in their own work, in their own life. And let's say she has children whom she has to take to school and take to their classes and, you know, different, different things throughout the day and do the groceries. Now, if she's asking so many family members to help her, she will become a burden on them. She should seek help. Other people should take responsibility of her. They should help her because this is her right in a way. But if it's not possible then she has to fulfill her needs herself. So these are four things a woman has to observe during the period of idda, meaning this is what is included in ihdad. In the hadith, what has been mentioned? لا نكتحل, لا نتطيب, ولا نلبس ثوباً مصبوغاً إلا ثوب عصباً. The only exception that was made for who? For the menstruating woman that after her hayd, when she's cleaning herself, she will use perfume. Which kind of perfume? نُبْدَةٍ مِنْ كُسْتِ أَطْفَارِ A little bit of كُسْتِ أَطْفَارِ Now كُسْتِ أَطْفَارِ Remember that this is a certain kind of fragrance which is very light. Which is very light. Meaning it is not very strong. So this is the reason why the women used that in particular. 
So likewise, if there is a certain kind of soap or fragrance or whatever that is light, that is what a woman should use. She should not use strong fragrance. And also remember that this fragrance that a widow will use after her hayd is not all over the body. This is in particular at the place of hayd, to remove the smell as a part of cleaning the area. So this doesn't mean that she will perfume herself all over her clothes, her hair, her neck, her hands. No, she will refrain from that. The only exception is in the private area after the hayl. And that too will be a fragrance that is very light. So this is the evidence which tells us that after hayl, a woman should perfume herself. Now, in the hadith that has been mentioned is that everyone meaning all the relatives and friends, are allowed to observe ihdad, but only for up to how much? Three days. For the widow, it is more than three days. For the rest of the people, it is three days. But remember that for the rest of the people, it's not wajib. That for example, the siblings, the parents, the children, the friends, these close relatives of the deceased person, even the husband, they can observe ihdad. They are allowed to. Meaning this is jaiz, it is permissible, but it is not wajib. It is not mandatory. So for example, if the husband, he doesn't wish to perfume himself, for instance, because his wife has passed away, he can only do this for up to three days. Likewise, if there is a sister or a mother, her son has passed away, then in that case, she doesn't wear perfume, she doesn't wear her kohal, she doesn't wear nice clothes, but this is only permissible for how long? Three days, not more than three days. Because we are allowed to take time to heal because we are human beings. I mean, certain losses, certain griefs are so intense that you can't get over it too quickly. And if you cover it up, if you suppress it, eventually, you know, it will come out in other ways. So it's not healthy for a person. It is normal to experience hurt and pain. But remember that we should heal within three days. Because if you sit with your loss for more than three days, then you won't be able to get over it. So after three days, life should resume. But we see that in certain cultures, in certain families, it is considered that as respect for the deceased, as respect for the deceased, don't go to work for the next whole month. If there was a wedding that had to take place the month after, it will be deferred until the year later. Correct? Why? Out of respect for the deceased. That even Eid is not celebrated. Now if it's within three days, it's understood that people are extremely sad. But after three days, I mean, what is permissible in the deen should be benefited from. If, for example, a woman is in her idda and she's refrained from ihdad, she doesn't wear kohal or anything. After her idda is over, does she have to wear kohal? No, she doesn't. She doesn't. And if she does, then that means she's ready to remarry. Okay, because that's what the women would do. That sometimes people want that a widow should always remain a widow, that she should always be in the state of mourning, that if after a year of her husband's death, if she is wearing makeup or something, then people think that, how wrong? I mean, how quickly she got over her husband? This is not correct. And it's considered mandatory for such a woman to wear white for the rest of her life. Yes. It's considered mandatory almost, which is why you will see such people wearing only white. I've seen myself. That some women refrain from... Complete Zina, even if it's the, you know, their daughter's wedding or a very happy occasion, they will refrain from Zina just because their husband has passed away. But remember that even for a widow, the morning is how much? Four months and ten days. 
like for example oiling the hair for some women it's almost a necessity because otherwise their scalp their hair becomes so dry it becomes extremely difficult now it's not for the purpose of adornment it's not for the purpose of tahsin in fact sometimes it's the other way like it's not considered beautification but but it doesn't have a smell to it it's not for beautification so it's different but if a woman is wearing you know certain kind of hair products that is different that is for the purpose of adornment again she has to see what is considered nice and fashionable in the culture what is considered pretty in the culture like you have certain shirts there is one shirt that you wear under the abaya and there's another shirt that you wear when you're not wearing your abaya there is a difference right there is a difference there's one shirt that you wear when you're cooking and there's another shirt when you're done with cleaning and everything so there is a difference my sister died at the age of 25 and uh, after the funeral she just had a bath and wearing very normal uh, summer clothes but uh, she was looking very pretty and young the older people women said go her husband change. died yeah okay and uh, when she had a bath after the funeral she wore a very plain dress but she was looking very pretty and young mm. so my mother said go and change put another color of shirt and another cl- color of uh, pajama yes. so it can look very normal yes because mm-hmm. some clothes yes. there's printed bright colors very lively so those should be refrained from One more thing that for the rest of the family ihdad observing ihdad for 3 days after the death this is something that's permissible so for example if there's a, a party or or something that people are being invited to then they have the right to not go like i remember when my grandfather passed away my sister somebody had invited her my mother didn't allow her to go she didn't allow her to go because you know our grandfather had passed away so it was not allowed this is part of ihdad but remember this is jaiz it is permissible It is not wajib. It is not wajib. But after three days, it's not permissible. After three days, it's not permissible for the rest of the family. Only for who? For who? For the widow. Even inside the house, she cannot wear jewelry and she should not. I remember once we went to see someone whose husband has passed away and the lady was wearing gold bangles and my mother told her to remove them immediately. Although she was in her house. But even within the house, in front of other women, in front of your brother, in front of your children, you cannot. You're not allowed to. Okay, and there is many wisdom behind that, which I'm sure you've studied in tafsir. Bab dalk al-mar'ati nafsaha ida tatahharat min al-mahidi. Dalk al-mar'a. Dalk is to rub. So the rubbing by who? By a woman, nafsaha herself. Ida tatahharat when she has become clean min al-mahid after menstruation. Meaning, after a woman's period is over, and when she is taking her bath, then what does she have to do? She also has to do dalk. She also has to rub. Dalk is to basically rub clean. Like for example, you pour water on yourself. But you don't just pour water, you also rub with your hand. Why do you rub? To ensure that, the place becomes thoroughly wet and if there is any dirt on it it can also come off you know for example if your hands have grease on them or mud on them and you're washing if you just put your hands under the running water they won't become clean what do you have to do rub your hands even just putting soap on your hands is not sufficient you have to rub the soap so this is what dalk is rubbing in order to thoroughly wet the place and in order to thoroughly clean now remember This bath after hayd, when the woman is taking this, dalk, this is not dalk mutlaq, that she has to rub her entire body. 
So her neck and behind her ears and even the parts of her back that she cannot reach. No, this is not what the meaning is. Dalk of the mawadir of hayd. Dalk of the place of menstruation. Meaning, her private area, she should not just pour water on it, but she should rub the area clean. Why? To thoroughly remove any blood and also to get rid of the foul smell. Alright? To also get rid of the foul smell. But even otherwise... When a person is taking a bath, then they should rub themselves because this is something that will make them cleaner. Al-Qahtani, he said, وَالْغَسْلُ فَرْضٌ وَالتَّدَلُّكُ سُنَّةٌ That ghasl, washing is mandatory. وَالتَّدَلُّكْ and rubbing is a sunnah. وَهُمَا بِمَذْهَبِ مَالِكٍ فَرْضَانِ But in the madhab of Imam Malik, they are considered fard. So some scholars consider dalk to be wajib and others consider it to be sunnah. And sometimes you see that after you pour water, when you wipe, then there is, you know, something or the other. So it's best to rub, wash clean like this. وَكَيْفَ تَغْتَسِلُ And how will she uh, wash? وَتَأْخُذُ She will take فِرْصَةً A small piece of مُمَسَّكَةً That has been perfumed with musk. So basically she will take a small piece of something like a rag or a cotton ball and she will dip it in some kind of perfume oil. For example, musk. And then, فَتَتَّبِعُ بِهَا And then she will follow with that, أَثَرَ الدَّمْ The traces of blood. So basically, what will she do? She will take a cotton ball or something, dab it in perfume or the like, and wipe the the private area with that. Until the area becomes thoroughly clean. Now this is in the case where water is less. If you have a lot of water, then you don't, necessarily need to use the perfume. It's not, remember like I said earlier, it's not wajib. It is preferable, but it's not wajib. So if you have enough water with it, you can thoroughly wash, rub clean, that is sufficient. But if the smell is present, then what should a woman do? Use the perfume in the manner that has been described. And also remember that a woman should not become excessive in cleaning that area, because that can lead to other complications as well. It can lead to infections because For example, using a door, this is something that will harm the woman more. So just cleaning in the manner that has been described, that is sufficient. A perfume also woman has to be careful because it's a sensitive area. So it should be a perfume that is gentle, that is very soft, you know, like a perfume oil, for instance. And using a perfumed soap, that is also sufficient. حدثنا يحيى قال حدثنا ابن عيينة عن منصور بن صفية عن أمه عن عائشة أن امرأة that a woman سألت النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم that she asked the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم عن غسلها about her غسل من المحيض after menstruation فأمرها so he ordered her كيف تغتسل how she should take the bath قال he said خذي فرصة take a piece من مسكن of misk meaning that has been soaked in misk that has been dabbed in misk فَتَطَهَّرِي بِهَا And then clean yourself with it. So the Prophet ﷺ said this to her, that this is how you should clean yourself after the hayl. قَالَتْ She said, كَيْفَ أَتَطَهَّرُ But how should I clean myself? She couldn't understand how she was to clean herself with perfumed cotton. قَالَ He said, تَطَهَّرِي بِهَا Just clean yourself with it. قَالَتْ She said, كَيْفَ How? She couldn't understand. قَالَ He said, سُبْحَانَ اللَّهِ تَطَهَّرِي Glorified is Allah, just clean yourself. So Aisha radiallahu anha who was there, she said, فَجْتَبَذْتُهَا So I drew her إِلَيَّ to me, meaning I drew her close to me, I pulled her towards me. فَقُلْتُ So I said, تَتَبَّعِي بِهَا أَتَرَدَّمْ 
remove all the traces of blood with it. Meaning rub clean that area with it so that all the traces of blood can be removed. Now the woman, she could not understand how she could clean herself with uh, with perfume oil, which is why she kept asking the question again and again. But the Prophet ﷺ, he was shy, which is why he said, Subhanallah. In another version of the hadith, we learned that he turned his face away because he felt extremely shy. Now the Prophet ﷺ, we learn about him from this hadith that sometimes he said what he said, mujmalan, meaning in comprehensive terms, in a very brief manner, very comprehensively, very brief way. Why? Sometimes out of haya. Because if it's a man, it's different. But he being a man explaining to a woman, he had to use words that were not that explicit because he was a very shy person. You know, in Bukhari only we learned that the Prophet ﷺ was more shy than a virgin girl in a separate room. So he was very hayi, very shy. So he was embarrassed to go into too much detail in front of the woman. But the woman, she wanted to know. So she kept asking the question. She was not shy of asking. So Aisha radiallahu anha, she explained to her. And at this occasion, when Aisha radiallahu anha was narrating this incident, in another narration we learn that she said, how excellent are the women of Ansar. Their shyness did not prevent them from seeking understanding of the religion. If we were to just read this, we'd say, oh, how shameless. This is not lack of haya. This is eagerness to learn. She wanted to do it right. And this is where Aisha anha she came in and she explained to her that you have to wash that area, meaning you have to clean that area with a piece of something like a cotton or a rag that is perfumed preferably so that the area is thoroughly cleaned. Bab ghaslil mahidi. Ghaslil mahid, washing the place of menstruation. Mahid over here refers to the place of menstruation, meaning the private area. So we learned earlier that it is necessary to wipe the area clean and to rub it with some perfume. But this is not sufficient. You also have to wash the area clean. So use of water is also good. So the first step is wiping off the area. The second step is perfuming. And the third step is wash. Okay, rinse at the end. حدثنا مسلم قال حدثنا وهيب حدثنا منصور عن أمه عن عائشة أن امرأة من الأنصار that a woman from the Ansar قالت للنبي صلى الله عليه وسلم, she said to the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم, كيف أغتسل من المحيض? How should I take a bath after? How should I wash myself after menstruation? قال, he said, خذي فرصة ممسكة, take a small piece of rag that is of musk, فتوضئي ثلاثا, and then wash three times. توضئي over here does not mean do wudu, but rather it means in the literal sense wash. So wash three times, meaning after perfuming that area, and removing the traces of blood, then wash three times. ثُمَّ إِنَّ نَبِيَّ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهُ وَسَلَّمْ إِسْتَحْيَا Then the Prophet ﷺ became shy. فَأَعْرَضَ بِوَجْهِ Then he turned his face aside. He was too shy. أَوْ قَالَ Or he said, تَوَضَّئِي بِهَا Wash with it. فَأَخَذْتُهَا So Aisha عَنْهَا She took that woman. فَجَبَثْتُهَا And then I pulled her. فَأَخْبَرْتُهَا And then I informed her بِمَا يُرِيدُ النَّبِيُّ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهُ وَسَلَّمْ With that which the Prophet ﷺ had intended. So perfume as well as wash. باب امتشاط المرأتي Combing of the woman, meaning combing her hair عند غسلها At the time of غسل من المحيض after menstruation. Meaning before she washes her body, before she takes a bath, what should she do? She should open up her hair if it's tied up and she should comb it. Why? Why comb it? Because when the hair is straightened up, 
then when the water is poured on, then that will ensure that the hair becomes thoroughly wet. Now this is necessary when you have little water. But if you're standing under a shower head, where the water is coming out in full force, then in that case, you don't need to comb your hair with a comb or with a hairbrush. You don't need to do that. As long as your hair is open, it's sufficient. But where the water is very little, and sometimes it happens that even from the shower head, very little water is falling. Then in that case, okay, you can rub your hair thoroughly, but it will take too long. What is faster, what is more convenient, what is easier is that you straighten the hair before you enter the shower with a comb, with a hairbrush, so that you can thoroughly wet the entire hair. And if a woman's hair is such that it is very curly, or that she has tied it into small braids, then if the braids are there and the hair is not opened up, it's not combed, then what will happen? The inner part will not get wet. Because remember that in the ghusl of hayd, you don't just have to wet the scalp, but you have to wet the entire hair. After janaba, what is necessary? The scalp and the hair, you know, it's good if you wash all of it. But if all of it does not get thoroughly wet, it's not a problem. But after hayd, you have to wash the entire hair. From the root all the way to the tip. You have to wash the entire hair. So for that reason, what should a woman do? Open up her hair and comb her hair. حدثنا موسى بن إسماعيل حدثنا إبراهيم حدثنا ابن شهاب عن عروة أن عائشة قالت عائشة ضلوا عنها شي said أهللت مع رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم في حجة الوداع أهللت What does this mean? I assumed إحرام مع رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم في حجة الوداع So it was at حجة الوداع So she also put on her إحرام فكنت So I was ممن From those people who تمتع who had the intention of performing hajj tamattu. And what does that mean? That you put on the ihram for umrah, you go to Makkah, you perform umrah, you come out of ihram, when hajj comes in, then you put on the ihram for hajj. So she put on the ihram for tamattu. So basically her intention was of, her intention was of umrah. وَلَمْ يَسُقِ الْهَدِيَةِ And there was no hadith that was brought along. فَزَعَمَتْ Now the narrator Urwa, he's saying that فَزَعَمَتْ So she said that أَنَّهَا حَاضَتْ That she began her hayd. وَلَمْ تَطْهُرْ And she did not become clean حَتَّى دَخَلَتْ لَيْلَةُ عَرَفَةً Until the night of Arafah came in. So basically, she did not to her Umrah and Hajj had begun and people had reached Arafah. فَقَالَتْ يَا رَسُولَ اللَّهِ So she said, O Messenger of Allah, هَذِهِ لَيْلَةُ عَرَفَةً This is the night of Arafah. وَإِنَّمَا كُنْتُ And indeed I تَمَتَّعْتُ بِعُمْرَةً I had made the intention of Umrah. Tamatartu, I had taken benefit literally, meaning I had intended to take advantage of the strip and perform Umrah first and then do Hajj. Now my chance of Umrah is over and Hajj has begun and now we have reached Arafah. فَقَالَ لَهَا رَسُولُ اللَّهِ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وسلم. So the Prophet ﷺ told her, أُنْقُضِي رَأْسَكِي Open up, undo your head, meaning your hair. Open up your hair. وَمْتَشِطِي And comb your hair. And this meant that go and take your bath. Now that your hayd is over, go and take your bath. وَأَمْسِكِي عَنْ عُمْرَتِكِ And refrain from your umrah. Meaning, cancel that umrah now. And instead, carry on with your hajj, with your intention of hajj being different. Before it was tamattu, now your hajj, the intention is different. Now you're doing a different kind of hajj. فَفَعَلْتُ So I did so. فَلَمَّا قَضَيْتُ الْحَجَّ Then when I completed my hajj, 
Amara, the Prophet ﷺ instructed Abdurrahman, Abdurrahman, the son of Abu Bakr anhu, meaning the brother of Aisha, Laylat al-Hasbati, on the night of Hasba. Hasba is the 13th or the 14th of the Hijjah, and it was spent in Wadi al-Muhassab on the return journey to Medina. So, on the night of Hasba, the Prophet ﷺ instructed Abdurrahman to take me where? For my Umrah. Meaning the rest of the people waited. Whereas Aisha went with her brother to perform her Umrah. أُنْقُدِي رَأْسَكِ وَامْتَشِطِي وَأَمْسِكِي عَنْ عُمْرَتِكَ فَفَعَلْتُ فَلَمَّا قَضَيْتُ الْحَجَّ أَمْرَ عَبْدُ الرَّحْمَانِ لَيْلَةَ الْحَصْبَةِ فَأَعْمَرَانِي So he made me do Umrah. Meaning he was my mahram so that I could do Umrah. And I did Umrah min al-tan'imi from tan'im. Meaning they went all the way to tan'im to put on the ihram. Tan'im is an area, basically it is three miles from the haram. And it is what marks the boundary of the haram of Makkah. So in a way she went outside of the haram into the hill so that she could put on her ihram again to perform her umrah. Makana in place of, meaning that umrah I performed in place of umrati, my umrah, allati nasaktu, that I had performed, meaning that I had intended to perform. So basically, the umrah of the matur, she was not able to perform. She switched her niyyah of hajj the matur to a different hajj. And that would be of ifrad, meaning only hajj. Because in that ihram, she did not do hajj and umrah. She only did hajj then. Because remember what the Prophet ﷺ told her? Do everything that the hujjaj do except for tawaf. So she did not do her umrah. Basically, she went to Mina with the rest of the hujjaj. And then after the hajj, after the hajj was finished, and she had become clean by then, she had come out of the state of ihram, she went to Tan'im, put on her ihram, and did her umrah. Why did she do this umrah? Is it necessary? It's not necessary. Because she switched her niyyah. She didn't have to do that umrah. But the Prophet ﷺ let her do it. Why? She was so sad. Remember she was crying. She was crying. She wanted to do umrah. And look at the kindness of the Prophet ﷺ that everybody waited while she went with her brother to perform umrah. Now see, the Prophet ﷺ didn't do that umrah. Her brother did not do it who went as a mahram, he did not do it. The rest of the sahaba, they did not do it. Only she did it. Because she was not able to perform. Other people did manage to perform umrah. Because some people consider it almost mandatory. That if they go to Makkah, for hajj or for umrah, and after everything, they will still go to Tan'im, where Masjid Aisha is now. They will put on ihram, and they will go and do another umrah. They have made it mandatory on themselves. It is not mandatory. Especially if it's going to create hardship for a person. He should not do that. She should not do that. But if a person has much time and they wish to and it's not going to create any difficulty for anyone then they can go ahead and do it. Bab naqdil mar'ati sha'raha undoing her hair in the ghuslil mahid at the time of taking the bath of mahid. Meaning in the previous bab we learned that she will comb her hair. Over here we learned that she will undo meaning she will open up her hair and this will be applicable when a woman has made Braids. Okay, when she's made a lot of braids. So in that case, she will open them up and then she will take a bath. Why? To ensure that the entire hair gets thoroughly wet. Now again, this is when the water is little. But if there is a lot of water and a woman knows that when she will pour water, even on her braids, they will become thoroughly wet. There is no such product on the hair which will cause the water to be repelled. 
then in that case she doesn't need to open up. It is mustahab, but it is not wajib. It is mustahab, but it is not wajib. If there is something that she has applied on the hair to keep it together, to keep the braids firmer, then in that case she should open up because it will prevent the water from reaching the inner part. حدثنا عبيد بن إسماعيل قال حدثنا أبو أسامة عن هشام عن أبيه عن عائشة قالت خرجنا موافينا we left موافينا at the same time as لهلال ذي الحجة at the new moon of the month of the الحجة so at the beginning of the month of the الحجة at the approach of the month we all left for حج فقال رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم so the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم said once the people left Medina they were on their way to Mecca he said من أحب أن يهل بعمرة فليهلل Whoever wants to make the intention of Umrah, then he should make that intention. He should put on that ihram. Meaning if someone wants to perform Umrah first, then they should put on the ihram of Umrah. Now, remember that I mentioned to you earlier that the mushrikeen of Makkah, they considered, the mushrikeen, they considered that if a person is going for Hajj or in the month of the Hijjah, the most evil thing to do is do Umrah. Okay, They considered it extremely wrong to do Umrah at the time of Hajj or uh, to do Umrah along with Hajj. So this was the misconception that existed in the companions as well because this was the previous understanding. So the Prophet ﷺ clarified at this time that no, you can also perform Umrah. You may perform Umrah. So whoever wishes to perform Umrah before their Hajj or along with Hajj, then they may do so. But they should make the intention from now. فَإِنِّي لَوْ لَا أَنِّي أَهْدَيْتُ لَأَهْلَلْتُ بِعُمْرَةِ For indeed I, لَوْ لَا أَنِّي أَهْدَيْتُ If I had not brought my hadi with me, my sacrificial animal with me, لَأَهْلَلْتُ بِعُمْرَةِ I would have put on the ihram for umrah. Because the Prophet ﷺ left with the intention of hajj. Because he brought along his hadi with him. And when you're doing that, when you're bringing your hadi with you, then you don't do umrah first, you go directly to hajj. And remember Aisha anha in the previous narration, what did we learn? That she did not bring her hadi. فَأَهَلَّ بَعْضُهُمْ بِعُمْرَةِ وَأَهَلَّ بَعْضُهُمْ بِحَجِّ So some people, they put on the ihram for umrah, and other people put on the ihram for hajj. وَكُنْتُ And I was mimman from those people who أَهَلَّ بِعُمْرَةِ who had put on the ihram for Umrah. Now you see, a husband and wife can go with different intentions. Even though the husband is her mahram, but still he can have a different intention. Remember Abdurrahman, he did not do Umrah, while Aisha anha did. So a woman has to go with her mahram for hajj and Umrah, but remember that her niyyah does not have to be the same as that of her mahram. It can be different. فَأَدْرَكَنِي يَوْمُ عَرَفَةِ So then the day came of Arafah. وَأَنَا حَائِضٌ And I was menstruating. فَشَكَوْتُ إِلَى النَّبِيِّ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهُ وَسَلَمُ So I complained to the Prophet ﷺ that what am I supposed to do now? My chance of Umrah is over. I came with the intention of Umrah. فَقَالَ So he said, دَعِيُ عُمْرَتَكِ Leave your Umrah now. وَانْقُضِ رَأْسَكِ And undo your hair. وَامْتَشِطِ And comb. وَأَهَلِّي بِحَجٍ And put on the ihram for Hajj. Meaning now, change your niyyah. So we, we see that even halfway, through Hajj, a woman can change her فَفَعَلْتُ so I did so. حَتَّى إِذَا كَانَ لَيْلَةُ الْحَصْبَةِ Until it was the night of Hasba, أَرْسَلَ مَعِي أَخِي عَبْدُ الرَّحْمَانِ بْنِ أَبِي بَكَرْ He sent with me my brother, Abdul Rahman bin Abi Bakr. فَخَرَجْتُ إِلَى التَّنْعِيمِ So I went to Tan'im. فَأَهْلَلْتُ بِعُمْرَةِ And I put on the ihram for Umrah. مَكَانَ عُمْرَةِ In place of my Umrah that I meant to perform earlier. قَالَ هِشَامٌ وَلَمْ يَكُنْ فِي شَيْءٍ He said that in this case there is nothing 
Concerning that, hadiyun wala sawmun wala sadaqa. Meaning when a woman changes her niyyah from one type of hajj to another, okay, because of certain reasons, then she doesn't have to give any hadi, she doesn't have to fast later, she doesn't have to give any kind of sadaqa. Because remember in the Qur'an, what do we learn? وَأَتِمُّ الْحَجَّ وَالْعُمْرَةَ لِلَّهِ Once you put on the ihram, then you have to atimu, you have to complete. فَإِنْ أُحْصِرْتُمْ And if you are constrained, meaning you're not able to complete it, then come out of the state of ihram, and then فَمَسْتَيْسَرَ مِنَ الْهَدِي And then you have to give hadi, meaning you have to offer a sacrificial animal. It is called dam. Okay, you have to do that. You understand? When you come out of the state of ihram, but Aisha radiallahu anha, she came out of the state of ihram, right? Out of tamattur. She came out of it. She entered another ihram for hajj. But in that, she doesn't have to give any hadi, no fasts later, no sadaqa. Why? Because it was just switching from one ihram to the other. You understand? She just switched from one ihram to the other. She did not cancel completely. For the person who is not able to switch, like for example, they have to return, they have to leave and they have to go back, or they became extremely sick, they're not able to continue the hajj. Then in that case, their hajj is incomplete, it is invalid, and what do they have to do? What do they have to do? Pay the hadi. And if they're not able to pay the hadi, then they have to give the sadaqah and the fasting, which the ayah mentioned, Surah Al-Baqarah, ayah 196. She changed her niyyah when she was at Arafah. Because when she got to Arafah and finally her period ended, she thought, she realized that her time for Umrah was over. I mean, if, if they were still in Mina, then she could have gone, then the Umrah returned. But now that when they were in Arafah, that chance was over because now, you know, the Hajj has begun, like the main Hajj has begun because Al-Hajju, Arafah, right? So this is why she asked that, what am I supposed to do now? I can't do my Umrah. Is my Hajj gone? They said, no, no. Because a woman can do her Hajj even with her Hayd. The only thing she won't do is her. Tawaf. So she can do her tawaf later. And Aisha, she performed her umrah later, which she didn't have to, but she did. Yes, because then she will leave her hajj. In other situations, where a person, man or woman, is leaving their hajj altogether, they're not able to complete it. In that case, they have to give the hadi. But in this case, the case of hajj, it is different. She's just switching her niya from one to the other. Bab mukhallaqatin wa ghayri What does mukhallaqa mean? That which is created. What is غَيْرِ مُخَلَّقَ? That which is not created, uncreated. Does this remind you of something? These words, do they remind you of something? مُخَلَّقَ وَغَيْرِ مُخَلَّقَ Have you heard these words somewhere else? In the Qur'an itself. So Imam Bukhari is referring to the ayah in Surah Al-Hajj, ayah number 5, where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, يَا أَيُّهَا النَّاسِ إِن كُنْتُمْ فِي رَيْبٍ مِّنَ الْبَعْثِ فَإِنَّا خَلَقْنَاكُمْ مِن That, oh people, if you're in doubt about resurrection, then know that we have created you from dust. ثُمَّ مِن نُطْفَةٍ Then from a sperm drop. ثُمَّ مِن عَلَقَ Then from the عَلَقَ Meaning a blood clot. ثُمَّ مِن مُضْغَ Then from a chewed-like substance, flesh. مُخَلَّقَةٍ وَغَيْرِ مُخَلَّقَ So this مُضْغَ is what? مُخَلَّقَ and غَيْرِ مُخَلَّقَ And you may wonder, what is this doing in Gitaul Hayl? Hmm? Alright. As I explain, you will understand. In this ayah, what is being mentioned? The stages of fetal development. Now on conception, when a woman conceives, the human being is the form of a nutfa. This is what the ayah says, min nutfatin. For the first 40 days. After the 40 days, then it turns into alaqa. And then after 40 days, it turns into mudra. So basically it turns into mudra after how long? 80 days. It is nutfa for first 40 days, and then it turns into 
alaqa it remains alaqa 40 days gradually gradually then it changes into mudgha so when it turns into mudgha how many days have passed by 80 days since conception now this mudgha allah subhanahu wa ta'ala describes it as mukhallaqa wa ghayri mukhallaqa meaning it is created and uncreated what does it mean that once this mudgha happens then either this will continue to grow into a human being, so it will become mukhallaqa, or it will not grow, it will be ghayr mukhallaqa, and it will be shed from the woman's body. So what is he hinting towards? Miscarriage. That the bleeding that results from a miscarriage, is that hayl, is that nifas, is it istihada, what is it? Okay, this is what he's referring to. Now, remember that in the mudra stage, 80 days, it is somewhat created and somewhat uncreated. Either it will continue to develop and eventually develop into a human being or it may continue to develop and eventually finish or it will stop growing right there. But the point is that at 80 days, takhliq is not determined. Takhliq meaning the creation is not determined. At 80 days, it is not a human being basically. At 80 days, it is not a human being. After the completion of three months, which is another 40 days, so 120 days, that is when it becomes mukhallaqa. If 120 days have passed, then it's definitely mukhallaqa. Because even when it's expelled from the body, right, even at that time, after 120 days, then there are certain features. Like you will see small hands and small feet, like webbed even, but you will see some kind of human features. But before that, it's hardly anything. The angel will come later. So at three months, 120 days, the takhliq is determined. Now based on this, some scholars have said that when it is mudra, that is lam tukhlaq, so before 80 days, even before 120 days, and it is miscarried, then the ruling of nifas will not be applied. Why? Because nifas is at the birth of a child, the birth of a human being, whether born alive or dead, whether full term or not. You understand? This is the condition of nifas. That the fetus should have distinct human features. Meaning it should be mukhallaqa, it should not be ghair mukhallaqa. So basically mukhallaqa, ghair mukhallaqa, it's a human, not human issue. That if it has grown into a human being and then it has been miscarried, then it is nifas. But if it has not grown into a human being, it is ghair mukhallaqa, not human, then it will not be nifas. You can say that it was a fetus but not a child. It was a pregnancy but not it did not lead to childbirth. Okay? Is it clear? And this is the distinguishing factor. This is why the bab is mukhallaqa ghair mukhallaqa. That if it's mukhallaqa, nifas. If it's ghair mukhallaqa, not nifas. And remember that if it is ghair mukhallaqa, so before 80 days, before 120 days, inshallah I will get to more details after the hadith. If it's ghair mukhallaqa and the fetus is expelled from the body, then remember that Ghusl is not required, I meaning you don't have to give a bath to that fetus. Likewise, janazah is not performed. Kafan will not be put on. A name will not be given. You know, the fetus will not be buried when it's before, 80 days before, 120 days. And it can be discarded just like hair and nails are. Just like the rest of the you know bodily discharges are discarded, the same way it will be discarded. But if it's after the stage of mukhallaqa, meaning it is mukhallaqa, it's after 120 days, after three months, if it's after four months even, okay, four months, definitely the ruh has come. Then in that case, 
fetus will be dealt with like a full term baby in the sense that janaza will be performed ghusl will be given kafan will be put on and some scholars have said that even a name will be given because the soul was blown into it it was actually a human being so you won't refer to that mukhallaqa as an it you will refer to it with a name so for example adam or maryam or whatever name you have to refer to that individual with a name because the soul was blown in and they will be resurrected on the day of judgment they will be resurrected on the day of judgment now what's the evidence that imam bukhari uses first of all the ayah secondly the hadith that haddathana musaddad qala haddathana hamad an ubaidullah ibn abi bakr an anas ibn malik an an-nabi sallallahu alayhi wasallam qala inna allaha azza wa jal that indeed allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wakkala bilrahim wakkala he has appointed bilrahim at the womb malakan an angel meaning as the human being is developing in the womb of the mother an angel is appointed to safeguard it to look after it meaning to to do what is required yaqulu he says ya rabbi nutfa when it is conceived when it's in the stage of nutfa the angel says oh lord nutfa and then after the 40 days are over the angel says ya rabbi alaqa it has grown into alaqa after 80 days are over then he says ya rabbi mudgha oh lord it is mudgha now when it is mudgha it could either go into the direction of mukhallaqa or into the direction of ghair mukhallaqa if it is to be mukhallaqa fa idha arada an yaqdiya khalqahu so when allah intends if allah intends to complete his creation meaning make it into mukhallaqa then what happens the angel asks qala he asks as the fetus continues to develop he asks a dhakarun am unsa is it going to be a male or a female meaning then it continues to develop into a complete human being and then all of the features are developed shaqiyun am sa'id is it going to be unfortunate or fortunate is it going to be unsuccessful or successful who is shaqi who is sa'id shaqi is one who ends up in hellfire who is sa'id successful one who ends up in jannah meaning the fate is decided from there the angel also asks famar rizqu so what is the provision what provision will this human being get wal ajalu right and the term fayuktabu everything is written fi batni ummihi in the womb of his mother everything is determined from there now what do we see here that between each stage of nutfa alaqa mudgha is a gap of how much 40 days meaning it it continues to grow for 40 days and then finally it enters into the next stage after the first 80 days it turns into a mudgha and after that within the next 40 days so after mudgha within the next 40 days so basically within 120 days of conception it will be mukhallaqa it will be mukhallaqa and then by 4 months the ruh is blown in for sure the ruh is blown in for sure so by 4 months it is definitely a human being not just blood not just flesh but definitely a human being now the period between 80 days and 120 days to 4 months this period is the time when it is being determined either it's going to be human being or it's going to be discarded either the ruh is going to be put in or not do you see what i mean so that period between 80 days to 120 days to 4 months 
80 to 120 days is the stage of becoming mukhallaqa. By 120 days, definitely mukhallaqa. But the ruh is not in for sure. When does the ruh come in? From another hadith we learn by four months. Now based on this understanding, the scholars have said that if the woman has a miscarriage before 80 days of pregnancy, before 80 days, then what is it? It's not a human being, right? It's غير مخلقة. So that blood is not of nifas. You understand? It is not of nifas. Because nifas is after human being. After the birth of a human being. Whether alive or dead. So this is why she will continue to pray and she will continue to fast. She will continue to do what she normally does as when she is not bleeding. And if the miscarriage took place after 120 days, after 120 days, then it is mukhallaqa. Now you don't know whether the ruh was put in or not. You don't know. Alright? You don't know because that was going to come at any time by four months. But it's definitely mukhallaqa. So in that case, it will be nifas. Because it was a human being. In that case, it will be nifas. Now what about between 80 and 120 days? Because these days, especially with the tests and the ultrasounds and all that, you can know the days, right? You can know the exact week. So... If it's between 80 and 120 days, then the embryo will be examined. It will be examined. If it has human features, then you will consider it as mukhallaqa. Because it doesn't just switch from غير مخلقة to مخلقة within a day. No, it doesn't happen. It's a gradual development, right? So if it was between 80 and 120 days, you will examine the fetus. That okay, if it has human features, then it will be considered as a human being. But if it doesn't have those features, then it will not be considered. So basically, when the human features are present, then rules of nifas will apply. If the human features are absent, then the rules of nifas will not apply. You understand? Shaykh ibn Uthaymin, he said that nifas is not established unless the embryo expelled has human features. If she expels a small embryo that has no human features and her bleeding is not nifas. Rather, it is bleeding from a vein. So it comes under the same ruling as istihada. The earliest at which human features may appear is after 80 days from the beginning of pregnancy. But it usually happens at 90 days. This is what he said. It usually happens at 90 days. But by 120 days, it's definitely happened. And the woman in nifas has to stop praying and fasting until she becomes pure. When the bleeding stops and she becomes pure, then she should do ghusl and pray and fast. If the bleeding lasts for more than 40 days, that's a different case. So anyway, this is what we learn from the statements of the scholars, that nifas will be considered if it's after 120 days. If it's before 80 days, not nifas. Between 80 and 120, you have to examine the embryo. Now this is with regards to miscarriage. No question is The blood is not tested in fast, and that becomes the hail. No, istihada. Miscarriage before 80 days, the bleeding is not of hail, it is not of nifas, because remember hail and nifas, consider it same thing, right? The words were also, meaning one word is also used for the other. Remember, man yusamman nifasa, anufisti, the words are interchanged, so the same ruling applies to them. So, the blood Of miscarriage before 80 days, it is not of hail, it is not of nifas. What is it? Istihada. After 120 days, it is of nifas. So you will treat it like the blood of hail. Yes. Before 80 days, why would it not be considered hail? Because hail would be, your, your body is preparing for implantation, but there's no implantation, no conceive, you know, you don't conceive, that's why you get rid of it. 
No. The thing is that conception did occur, right? Yes, which is why there are some scholars who, who disagree with this opinion, but that's a minority opinion. That is a minority opinion who say that bleeding after pregnancy, meaning in pregnancy, which is a result of miscarriage, whether it is before 80 days or after, all is considered nefas. But other scholars disagreed and that is the majority of the opinion. And this is why I'm presenting it to you. Allahu alam. Then the zygote form in, embedded into the, you know, the, the, the placenta is there, the vessels are there. So it's not like fertilization occurs and it is embedded. It comes under like conceived, mother conceived. But at 12 weeks, the heart form, the baby's heart form at the 12 weeks, after the 22, when we do the ultrasound, you can recognize the webs of the hands and all the thing. So what the, my question is, at 12 weeks, the heart form, the baby's in, in, in virology, the heart is there. It's pumped. At 12 weeks. How many months are they? How many months are that? Three months, right? So 120 days are done. Four days, yeah. And the fetal movement started at, after four weeks. Like in fifth month, usually the mother's... Yes. The yes. Fetal. The fetal movement begins quite early. So, yes. That when the human features are present. Okay. That's when it becomes mukhallaq. I mean, the heart develops at what time? At 12 weeks. That's... 84 days. So again, it can form any time after 80 days. So it's the period between 80 and 120 days. So then you have to observe the embryo. Okay? If it has human features, then it will be considered like a human being. Mukhallaqa. If it doesn't have those features, then غير mukhallaqa. Now, this was with regards to miscarriage before 80 days or after 80 days. Now, what about bleeding? that a pregnant woman may have throughout her pregnancy. Doesn't mean she's had a miscarriage, but she's bleeding constantly. Right? For some women it's heavy, for some women it's light. There could be different reasons behind that. So this bleeding it is considered as istihada. Okay? It is considered as, as istihada. Unless there is a miscarriage. If it's a miscarriage, then it's not istihada. After 120 days, if there is a miscarriage, then it will not be istihada because it will be nefas then. But if it's bleeding throughout the pregnancy, pregnancy is normal, the baby is fine, growing, everything, then in that case it will be treated like istihada. One more issue, which is of hayd during pregnancy. It's very rare, but it does happen. Some women, right, that they actually get their period during pregnancy, which bleeding, which looks like hayd, all the symptoms are there, and it comes at the right time. It finishes at the right time as well. So in that case, it will be treated like hayd. Because it is hayd. There is a view, uh, the view of uh, Imam al-Shafiri, that a pregnant woman may menstruate. And this is the reason why uh, Sheikh Ibn Rathaymin, he said that if a pregnant woman experiences persistent bleeding that comes at the time of the month when she usually menstruates and looks like menstrual blood, then it is most likely to be menstruation and she should stop praying, fasting because of that. That the lining that was thickened, uh, sometimes uh, it was not shed properly in the previous period or consumption happened right, you know, a few days before the period was due. So in that case, the lining is extra, that blood is extra. So this is the reason why the body sheds it. So for some women, only for the first one or two months, they will have their period. And other women will have it throughout their pregnancy. So it is considered 
hayd. And this is an opinion that exists. And especially when the characteristics are the same as hayd, then it will be treated like hayd. But it's a, it's a very important topic. Because when women are experiencing this, then they do not know whether they should pray or they should not pray. And because of this confusion, they leave so many prayers, they leave their fasts, and you know this is incorrect. You should learn about these things. If a woman is not able to observe the embryo that has been lost, let's say she went to the toilet and there's no way of retrieving it, it's gone. So how will she determine? Uh, Allahu alam, I do not know. Inshallah, if I if I'm able to, I'll find out and I will mention to you. But if I'm not able to, then please forgive me. Inshallah. But this is an important question. Like it was mentioned that by 84 days, the heart is developed. So that's a major body feature, right? A human feature. It's a major one. So if it's after 84 days, like let's say it's 100 days, 110 days, 119 days, 15, then it makes sense that you would consider it like mukhallaqa because the heartbeat was there. But if it's right on the dot, 80 days, a few days after 80, let's say the doctor tried to look for the heartbeat, but it was not found, then in that case you will consider it as غير mukhallaqa. Okay, subhanakallahumma bihamdika nashadu wa la ilaha illa anta nastaghfiruka wa natubu ilayk. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.